Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and joining me, as always, it is Arusha Pires from O'Neill Global Advisors. He's a portfolio manager over there. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm doing well, Justin. And on the show, as our special guest, we also have Kathy Donnelly coming back to the show. She is a co-author of The Lifecycle Trade, and um, she's been a meetup leader for uh, many, many years and uh, was one of those attendees at so many of our events. So I've known Kathy for, gosh, I don't know how long. But uh, Kathy, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Justin. Uh, it's great to be here, as always. So um, we're going to get into the markets, of course, kind of see where things stand right now. And then Kathy's going to talk a little bit about how she goes about finding those first stage bases, getting stocks early in their life cycle. And then, of course, we'll talk about some of the stocks that are on her radar. So let's hop right into it. Uh, Rusha, you want to pull up the NASDAQ composite for us? And uh, Kathy, let's get your take here. Uh, we had a little bit of a pullback. We got the NASDAQ composite going down below our 21-day moving average line. Is it time to go get the canned goods and get into the bunker? Yeah, um, I've probably been in the bunker for a while now. Okay. <laughs> you, 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 you never came out? <laughs> I didn't come out. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, we have had a little bit of run-up from the bottom. And I have played around with some small 1% positions here and there. But uh, I've been enjoying kind of the time off, you know, still looking okay. at charts every week, of course. And uh, but, you know, from my perspective, the, the picking, the, it's been slim pickings. Mm -hmm. And even now uh, we're starting to correct from this run that we've had. You have the 10 day moving average declining and the 21 EMA moving average declining. And we're below the 21 EMA. So I think we're due in to maybe a, some type of correction of some sort. So hopefully, though, this will finish off some bases. Um, you know, I do see some potential and this will help it along and then maybe we'll see some potential in another month or so. And, and yeah, and what are some of those kind of things that you're going to look for maybe in a month or so that will uh, maybe get you a little bit more confident and increase your exposure from 1% positions maybe to 5% positions? Well, the 1% positions that I've kind of delved into, I was hoping would then build another type of consolidation where then with the market being stronger, the ones that already have, and those can get like a full position size on them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm really focusing on that institutional due diligence phase that I've talked about many times on the show where the IPO goes up or goes down and then goes sideways for a long period of time and really searching for those first stage bases that we're going to talk more about today. But it can apply to stocks that have been around for a long time. And we're going to talk about that too. Because it's that 40 week line where it's a real sweet spot for bases to form after big corrections. And then, of course, uh, IPOs coming from their institutional due diligence phase uh, before they have their next run up, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So we have the follow through day at the end of June, so June 24th. Uh, what was it about that follow through day that made you a little suspicious um, and made you want to wait and, and basically stay in your bunker? Well, when I would run my screens, all I saw were huge downtrends. Mm -hmm. You know, everything I looked at was just down, down, down. And I'm like, well, I'm not, and I don't, I'm not a bottom buyer, you know, right. I don't buy off the bottom. Uh, so for me, it was, it was a waiting game uh, for some prior run-ups to create that first base or some sideways action. 
and then some tighter action from that because it was very volatile during that time. And yeah, we had a follow through day and I know we're supposed to buy something and maybe I did. And actually I did, but they were things that I don't normally buy and ended up losing. So I had to go back to my basics and say, what do I like to buy and just buy that? So if there's nothing to buy, there's nothing to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so talk a little bit more about that discipline because I think that's a really good lesson. It doesn't seem like you're suffering from the fear of missing out or anything here. You're, you're kind of waiting for, for your game, uh, the fat pitch to, to come through and uh, really go, uh, you know, increase the position sizes when the odds are more in your favor. Yeah, I definitely want the fast pitch or the fat pitch. Would I don't know yeah. if you said fast or yeah. fat? <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, you know, when I buy a stock, and Harusha, you and I talked about this, I think, on the very first podcast we did together. You know, I'm always looking for those 100 percent, 200, 300 percent, or more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay if I get 20 percent. And actually, one of the ones we'll talk about today was a 20 percent opportunity, uh, but. I'm looking for that big gain. And so that big gain for me is that institution due diligence phase, the institutional advance phase, because that's where you have the most potential. And that's what we've seen over the years. And Bill said it, you know, recent IPOs. And so, yeah, I have the patience because I don't want to be watching the screen all day. If I can buy that first stage base, hold on, add more at the second stage, I'm really just relaxing through the run instead Mm -hmm. of always looking at my phone. Oh, I got to buy, I got to sell. It's just <laughs> yeah, not worth right. that to me. I'm lazy yeah. in that way, but it's not really lazy. It's just, that's my style. Yeah. Well, you, you like having a life and you're, you're, you're doing your training for your triathlons. And I mean, that takes, that takes quite a bit of time when you uh, get a couple Ironmans under your belt. Uh, that, that, that's some serious training there. Uh, and, you know, this has been, uh, I, I think at least a market of singles and, you know, doubles, if you're lucky, it really hasn't been a market of those home runs. Um, so I, I, I totally get what you're saying. If you're, if you're okay, waiting and being patient you know those those fat pitches will come and you'll have those opportunities and okay so maybe you don't get 130 percent but if you get 100 percent, i mean isn't that enough <laughs> yeah i mean you only need i mean we've said this before and, and bill said it was well, just a handful of stocks that you really need to to change your life in, in one direction or the other so why not wait for those uh, mm-hmm. patience is a virtue and um, yeah, I get the itch to trade just like everybody else, but I've enjoyed these last few months with just a few 1% positions here and there, just kind of testing the waters. I'm still connected with the market. I'll, I'll never, you know, you can't turn your eye away from it. You have to be in sync because stocks wait for no one, right? That base can, you know, form at the end of on Friday. And I love that when that happens. Like I see a base maybe forming and then Market Smith picks it up on that Friday and I'm like, yes. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And then, you know, and then I'm ready to go when the, when the week comes. So. So talk a little bit about your routine. So is it more a weekly routine where you're doing most of your work on the weekends or are, are you doing a bunch of it during the weekdays too? It's definitely on the weekend. I try to do it on Fridays after the market closed, but I found there's just too much time between Friday and Sunday that I just forget what I was looking at. Yeah. So basically Sunday evening, uh, I run my screens. My number one screen is uh, IPOs, recent IPOs the last two, three years, $100 million a day or more. Uh, and then I also run between 20 and 100 million. And I do run the WAN screen, the William O'Neill screen. 
uh, with liquidity of 100 million or more, and then also the MS250. But I usually find that you know, those are more mature stocks. And so I'm not as interested in them, but it's also good just to, you know, stay in contact with what everything's doing. But my, right. my key focus is, is those IPOs. And usually unless they're right near the end of a base building, you know, it's not, it's not going to my ready list. So if I don't see it on Sunday, it's no problem waiting until the following Sunday to see what changed. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe you could also share with us because last time we had you on, um, you also were exhibiting a lot of patience on the sell side. You know, you're waiting until sometimes the the 40 week is breached. It's not like you're looking for, oh, the 10 day, you know, again, you're you're really kind of trying to get the big move out of these stocks. So uh, can you share with us a little bit about what puts you into the bunker? What was it that um, how quickly were you finding yourself uh, just getting knocked out of your stocks? And, and did you wait until the 40 week moving average lines for a lot of those stocks? Because you had some big winners uh, that you were holding on to. Well, thank you. Um... Yeah. When I used to go to the level fours, you know, I would look at the charts and, you know, they'd show, you know, buying here at the first stage base and then selling to the top and, you know, 500% gain, 600% right. gain, you know, like, how are they doing that? You're like, I and want that. That's right. what I want. Find exactly. me up. <laughs> and all of them were cut off. Most of the charts were cut off when it broke the 40 week line. So when we were doing the research for, for the book, I was like, we got to test a 40 week rule. And so that's what we did. And we found that, yeah, the 40 week rule has the most potential for gains, but of course has the biggest drawdowns because you're waiting out right. all those bases. But because we also developed the mental capital preservation rule, where as long as the way I use it is I, you know, set a number that I want to retain at least 50% of my gains and once you have 100% gain or more, it works really well, in my opinion, where if it breaks the 40 week and it breaks the MCP 50, then mm -hmm. usually it's done for a while. I can take my gains and go do something else for a while or whatever. And then if you really want to go long term, you could do MCP 35. That one we didn't officially test out, but I've been playing with that one as well. Um, and that's like really a long term hold. Like I'm hoping for like, you know, a Microsoft or an Apple someday where I'm, you know, it's just a steady mover, the chugger, if you will, um, you know, with the big gains somewhere down the road. But uh, really the 40 week line with a 50% retention of gains minimum has worked well for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, just I'm gonna share with you real quick because I did a lot of those charts for the level fours, of course. And I, you know, when I was choosing an end date, I think it was arbitrary <laughs> that, you know, I, I, I wanted to show enough of a downside move that you knew it was done. And so I yeah. think I, I did choose the 40 week moving average line a lot of times, but I don't think I did that consciously. I think I just, you know, oh, this 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 shows enough of the move down so that you get the sense that the move was over. Um, right. So anyway, well, it's, it's, it's interesting you turned to study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and the interesting thing, too, is, you know, we learned from Bill about, well, the first touch of the 10 week line is OK, and then the second one is probably OK. But then after that, it might be done. Well, I've observed I haven't officially tested it out or researched it, but with the really with the strong, you know, true market leader, it'll do the same thing. It'll like touch the 40 week line once, then maybe right. twice. And then the third time is is when it can be done. So if you're willing, like me, to hold through that drawdown, then it can be very rewarding. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, that's the hardest thing is that drawdown. I think for most people to give back 50, even 50 percent of, of those uh, gains is very, very difficult. But uh, 
the greatest of the great stocks aren't going to touch that 40-week line too often, and they're going to break it until they're really in trouble. I mean, we have the NASDAQ up right now, uh, and yeah, I mean, you can see it on the NASDAQ here, if you're, if you're watching on the video on investors.com slash podcast, I mean, it, it really only broke the, the 40-week line in, in the middle of uh, January this year, and it's kept you out of a lot of trouble, but it enabled you to catch a lot of those gains from uh, 2020 when the market was getting back all the way through most of 2021. So it, it is, as long as it, can, it fits your personality, it, it is, uh, you're capturing the primary trend there. Mm-hmm. Well, and just to add on to that, interestingly enough, we got almost right up to that 40-week moving average line, and that's yes. exactly where we got exactly. turned away yeah. uh, you know, recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, back, back in March, hit it, knocked the head, back down. Um, and then we, we, we did that again. Now, it remains to be seen how serious this pullback is. Um, but that 200-day moving average line, 40-week moving average line, uh, is still you know an, an area of resistance for all the indexes. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and uh, Russell 2000 did pop their heads above the 200-day moving average line, but only spent a few days above it before they, they reversed back below. And the S&P 500, I think, came within a few points of the 200-day line. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's an area of resistance right now. Yeah, and so Kathy, I I think uh, you br- you brought up another really good point about you know, when the market is not your environment, you you you're taking a break, you're doing other things. Talk a little bit about the importance of taking that mental break away from the market, uh, you know, to to prepare yourself for the next time when the the wind is behind your sails. Yeah, well, one thing I did uh, during that time, well, this yeah, so this year. <laughs> is uh, I had to remember, well, and it was during that period where we had, you know, I guess a couple follow through days, one of them didn't work, this one kind of worked. And, you know, I was trying I think to we've keep... had like, what, five? Had like this four yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. You've been away for a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I was trying a few of them. And then, you know, I was, I was losing and I had to remind myself, what I was saying earlier, what my setups were. So I actually created just a small like PowerPoint for myself where you know, all the big leaders from the last year and even way back when, like, you know, Lululemon, I mean, really going back in time from 2009, 2011, because that was really my first great year where I was like, okay, I'm actually making progress and this is working for me kind of thing. And I had to remind myself what it looked like, you know, Mm -hmm. where are these first stage bases and where are they forming? And literally that is what transitioned me to the more relaxed state where I was like, okay, I'm not buying just because it's a follow through day if I don't see the setups that I want. And I just called, I think I called it, you know, what does it look like, you know, was the name of the file that I created. And it's just a bunch of charts with those first stage bases reminding me what it looks like and all different kinds, you know, there's some that are very volatile and then they tighten up and then they break and some are tight, then get volatile and then they break. So really it can be any combination, but at least you know that, right? And then you know what you're looking for. Yeah, so I pulled up the the Lulu chart uh, back in 2009, 2010 time period, and it looks like as, as the market got going in 2009, uh, mm-hmm. Lulu only really set up in July of 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it kind of gave that first base there. Was that where you were starting to identify Lululemon? Well, back then, I didn't know what I know now. So unfortunately, I never owned Lululemon there. But because it was a big winner and it was one of those 
uh, IPOs that had a run up and then went down and then created that first base right around that 40 week line. I knew it was a model that I wanted to continue to follow and study from. So, yes, that's where I would have if I right. had yeah. We, no, it, and that, that's if how you knew then what you know now. Right. Yeah, exactly. But it, it serves as a great reference. Yes. Um, and and yeah, I mean, so I, I think that that is a really good point because uh, that is the first place where pattern recognition picked up an actual pattern which is uh you know kind of what you're looking for uh you know when the market's truly kind and coming out of a bear market mm -hmm. right. and kudos to, to you know market smith and, and the pattern rec because you know i know scott o'neill used to always say find the basis first and then double check with pattern rec but what i like is yeah when i'm seeing it being built and then on that friday pattern rec picks it up well i already said this but it's just such a great feature and confirming mechanism right Absolutely. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it is that Kathy is looking for in order to find these first stage bases early in their moves and the big winners. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, traders, is inflation hurting you? Have you adjusted your strategies to account for it? Vantage Point can help you beat inflation with patented artificial intelligence. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's AI can give you a massive edge and help you get ahead of inflation. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and find your best entries and exits. That's www.freestockcoaching.com. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with my weekly guest, Arusha Pierce from O'Neill Global Advisors. And our special guest this week is Kathy Donnelly, co-author of The Lifecycle Trade and meetup leader and just awesome woman in terms of Ironman triathlons that she's doing and Impressive. all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, so, uh, Kathy, we were talking a little bit about how you're really trying to get those home run pitches. Uh, those home runs from the fat pitches and let's talk a little bit about how you get in early enough on these stocks that you can hold on to it for the big game what what is it you're looking for yeah absolutely i love to share how that kind of came to be actually because when i first started the system and like many i think uh you know bill said you have to buy the first stage base and then, you know, there's the second and then the third or fourth may not be as successful. And I definitely, when I was buying back then, I, you know, there was the fear factor because is this really going to work? I'm putting my real money on the line and I would buy extended from mm -hmm. first stage bases or because I was like, well, is it really working? I don't know. And then I would buy it and then it'd be, you know, it'd be overextended and then it would pull back to the buy point like most of them do. And then I would end up, you know, losing money all the way to the top because <laughs> I keep buying and selling. And right. yeah. And so, you know, you see this big gainer that you it. lost money on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't trust it. I didn't have the experience. Um, and, you know, it takes a long time. I, I know some people have likened learning, you know, the system or investing just in general to a four year degree. And I definitely think that's that's probably what it took me. And actually, if I add up the time, you know, I would say 2009 was the year I, I first really became successful. 
And then about four years later, around about where Bill O'Neill retired and there was no longer any at level four. And I was like, oh man, well, no level four with Bill O'Neill anyway. And Eve, shout out to my co-author Eve, we went on our own little stock investing retreat and mm-hmm. you know, we were just oh, going to wow. come up with things to study. And we carried all these books, all the big books from all the level fours in our suitcase. Where did you carry it up to like a top of a mountain or something? No, we, <laughs> well, we, put them in a, you know, we put them in a suitcase and put them on the plane and wow. we brought them with us to California. We went to California for like a little beach stock retreat kind of thing. And we didn't really have an agenda except uh, we did bring Brent Steenbarger's book one of his psychology books that focused on, you know, focus on what you're good at and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I remember one day we're sitting in the hotel room and this is a great story, actually. It's not investing related, but just really quick. They messed up my hotel reservation. So we ended up with like a super duper two bedroom suite right on the beach because they messed up my reservation, something that I did not pay for, but got to enjoy thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and I'm just looking at charts, just looking at charts. You know, just I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm just looking at them. And then finally it hit me. <laughs> I got to buy these first stage bases. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, four or five years later after I've been doing the system. Um, and then I don't know. That's just when it, it came to me. And then I really, really started honing in on that. And then I guess in combination with when we decided to do the research with for the IPO study, you know, again, so important to get that first stage base and for IPOs when that due diligence phase, that institutional advance phase that I was talking about. And it, you know, exactly what Bill's been talking about all these years that I have been going to a seminar. So how do I find it? I mean, well, before before we get oh, to how I find it. Um, so you had to change kind of the way you looked at the markets, or you almost had to change your habits and just the actions that you were taking. So did you write new rules to kind of overcome that fear of buying a first stage base? Because it was an obvious at that point, you didn't see it start working. Uh, and of course, you know, you, you were losing money doing the other strategy, just kind of getting whipped around. Yeah, how did you change that? Because that's not easy to kind of change your habits uh, once they're kind of ingrained in you. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point, right? Because I was always buying the second and the third stage bases because, oh, yeah, this one is a leader. But, right, you know, right. I should have known it was a leader at the first stage. Now it's obvious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was buying when it was obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, just looking at the charts with no, there was nothing in my brain except I'm just looking at these, trying to see what I'm supposed to be seeing. And so my, in a way, I was unfocused and my brain was clear. And it just, it just like, it finally just like clicked. You know how like Bill, Bill told me all the rules I ever wanted to know at the first level three I went to in Chicago in like 2006 or seven or whenever it was. Mm-hmm. And I go back and listen to that. And I'm like, oh, if I had applied every single thing he said at the level three, <laughs> I would have right, been there a lot right, faster. Right. But there's just, it just doesn't click, right? Because there's just so much. You have to kind of do it yourself a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So, so it just, Arusha, I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure I wrote it down. I have most of my rules written down in some form or fashion, but it just, it just like the light bulb went off and it's like, oh, duh, you know, and if it doesn't work, you just, you just sell it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, I don't want to say they're sure things because nothing's a sure thing, but, Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's it's not a sure thing. It puts the odds in your favor. It puts the odds in your favor. And it might just be a 20%. 
but it definitely could be more and and it's totally worth it when you find those first stage bases so it's worth looking for and being patient and not chasing you know mm -hmm. well and as, as you mentioned it only takes a few of those that you're right on and that you really handle well uh to have kind of that big change uh in your portfolio so uh so let's 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 get back to it what what is it what is it that you came up with what were the epiphanies um do we all have to get two bedroom suites on the beach in order to <laughs> uh, become better investors because if that's what you're saying i think i'm i'm okay with this uh, uh arusha do you want to have a do you want to have a retreat? i've already reserved one justin so <laughs> <Okay>. we're <laughs> perfect <laughs> so so tell us what you came up with and 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 what what kind of uh rules you started using uh after that retreat well it can be you know, you, you definitely need some type of, of bottom in place, right? And we can look, let's look at one that makes it easier. So like Twilio, do what, sure. Twilio I, was the big winner for me. Um, and this this is a recent IPO. Well, it's not as recent now. Um, but So you're, have, you're talking about Twilio back like in 2018. Exactly. There, that, that first kind of base. So, so in 2016, it went on this big run, came out of an IPO base corrected and went through the the due diligence phase and then started setting up market smith started picking up the the pattern there and so so that was where you really started going for it right so the first thing that i'm looking for on a recent ipo is the 40 week line when the 40 week line first starts to appear on the chart mm -hmm. that's when i'm like really taking notice because now i know there's a minimum amount of time what i'm what i what i um except as a minimum amount of time that this IPO has been out where the potential now has changed, where it could build, start building that first mature base um, and then, you know, hopefully have a good run after that. Now, in this case, it took quite a while. That's a pretty long due diligence phase. And you can see it when it first came up around that 40 week line, uh, a little bit more to the left. Yeah, right there where it was real tight around there. I thought that was going to be the first mature base. Okay. And I did try it in there, but, you know, it didn't work. It failed, went back below. And then that gap up bar was on, I believe, earnings, if I recall. Right. right. And that's when I was buying it, trying it again, right? Now it's back above that 40-week line. And what I found is, you know, especially on these bottoms, it's usually an earnings catalyst. Like there's right. going to be a gap up, then a base, or there's going to be a base and then a gap up. And that's usually the start of it. And um, in this case, it was the gap up if within that base and then soon thereafter continued on. So before, so let's go back to the first time where you tried it, where it came above the, the, the 40 week line. Mm -hmm. So maybe like in July of 2017, that's where you were entering it. When did, when did you cut your losses? Was it, was it? I was actually, it let me interrupt you just because sure. I was actually yeah. probably entering it. I'm trying to point at the screen. No one knows what I'm pointing at uh, <laughs> to the right. A little more to the right where, Order. you know, it was tight. And then it popped oh, up yeah. from that tight action. Oh, okay. Nice okay. three right. weeks tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because so, see, in that in the first point, it was still just so that's having October, a prior run-up. Yeah. yeah, it was a prior run-up into that 40-week line. And then it was tight around that 40-week line. And then when it popped up from that, that's where I was trying some initial okay. small positions. Okay. And then that failed soon thereafter. Okay. And so then in November yes. of 2017, that's where you're... Yes. You're, you're cutting your losses. Now, do you mm -hmm. wait till the end? Did you wait till the end of the week to see if it could recover back above the the 40 week line? Or do you, it was like during the middle of the week, you had a percentage just kind of stop to to force you out? 
Yeah, my longer term sell rules are more of a wait till Friday. Shorter okay. term, if it looks like a clear reversal, I'm out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's sure. it's very different when you have a big cushion on something. You can give it that room, that patience, but when you're just starting, you don't want to necessarily, oh, let's just wait for, you know, a little bit longer and see see what happens because they can kind of come down real quick. Uh, right. Exactly. So so yeah, fast forward and uh it it really kind of hovered at at a level just to, just around 26 mm -hmm. for a number of weeks. Um so a lot of congestion right around there. And then mm -hmm. that pop that you mentioned. And so, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, you know, I think you have to be commended because one of the things that happens with some people is once they try something and it doesn't work, they're like, forget it. I'm never trying you again. You burned me once, you know, type thing. But right. you you said, okay, it's there's an earnings report out. Uh, it's being revalued. And, you know, people are looking at this differently. And you said, I'm going to give this another shot. Exactly. And with Twilio 2, this is a great stock to talk about because in its IPO advance phase, it also went up 100% within 90 days. Mm -hmm. So we usually will, in the book, we put those in a different category that we call a rare jewel because those have the potential to gain 500% or more in their lifetime, which in this case, Twilio did do. So it was also on like a special list right. <laughs> to keep watching mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But that's after that's kind of after the fact you put it into that separate group. So um, is there anything else like in the early, early phase? I mean, this was something that had been uh, down quite a bit. I mean, if you hover over the base, it says that the base is 33%, but I mean, it had already suffered a lot of destruction from 80 down to the, <laughs> down to the top of that base, you know, so it was already down 50%. So is, is there anything in terms of, hey this is too much or it has to make a certain amount of recovery before you're getting interested in it um you know that whole difference between buying something kind of at the bottom versus hey this has proven itself um what was it about twilio that kind of put it into the this isn't bottom fishing this is something that's um you know shown something different well because it had several years of sideways action i don't I don't consider it a bottom anymore. Maybe, it, you know, we can mm -hmm. call it a bottoming base. I don't know if that's how you officially define it. Um, you know, if it was just a bottom, like if you go to the far left when it, you know, kind of started to go sideways, sure. like that would be no. like a bottom I would not buy. Uh -huh. You know, I, I would want, you know, some sideways action unless it somehow formed a really good base there. But that's not likely. I don't usually mm -hmm. see that happen. But I do observe, Justin, I mean, you said 30 odd percent you know, a lot of them are pretty deep sometimes mm -hmm. in that first phase, especially when you're coming out of, you know, bear market. And, and, and Bill has said that we have that in our rules that bear market bases can be much deeper than the actual market. Right. But that doesn't bother me because of knowing that reason and what it's come out of. And sometimes they can be really ugly. Um, I think FVRR was another good example of that. You don't have to pull it up, but I mean, it had some tight and then it had a really ugly like shakeout base, you know, and then it, and then it moved on. So so that's to me, that's common and it's expected and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> mm -hmm. OK, so then so now you're you're in the position. Mm -hmm. Are you adding to the position or are you or you get kind of your initial position? Now you're really letting it ride until the second stage base. How, how do you uh, approach it after kind of getting that good entry? Yeah, so I get the initial position in, you know, hopefully at that first stage base. 
And then um, I'm looking for secondary opportunities to get to a second full position. And so since in this case, you know, we're not even at the turbulence zone yet. So if I can start adding at, you know, maybe the bounce of the 10 week like this one did or other little mm -hmm. type consolidations, I'm adding along the way. But it, essentially, I want to have my second full position in either before or finish at that second stage base, which can occur at that turbulence zone area or right below or right above, which is the prior high of the initial run from the IPO. And then at that point, then I'm done. I don't add after okay. that. Okay. Because then I just want to be able, because we already know the third stage base and the fourth stage base, things are going to get more volatile. And at that point, hopefully I've had a hundred percent gain. And now I'm just about uh, riding that 40 week line and ensuring a 50% gain retention. Okay. And well, let me, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you, you you finish first. <laughs> well, well, because well, yeah, now you, you put Twilio or Twilio qualified for that other tier. Right, mm -hmm. where it has even more potential. Mm -hmm. uh, so, how how does that adjust the rules in in this case here after the second stage base? Are you using the forty week line and exiting when, when it's uh, back in twenty nineteen, or are you trying to ride through that base because you have such a big cushion on it? Yeah, no. When it broke there, where you have that last little red hash mark, uh, yeah. I believe that's where the 50% and the 40 week okay. line, they both kind of came together at the same point. And, and I don't know if it's a coincidence, I haven't done the math, but it always seems to happen around the same time frame. So I was out of it at that point. Uh, I don't adjust my position just because it's a rare jewel. It's all, all positions are the same, no matter the stock that I'm going to commit my money to. And that's another, I'm just always want to make sure I give credit to, to William O'Neill. And I think I learned that at the level three where it's like, you know, any stock that you're going to put money in should have the same position or you shouldn't be buying it. That's a good point. And, and, and just, you know, because you've referred to it a couple of times, you referred to the MCP. Um, just just remind people of what what that rule is for you. Yeah. So Eric Kroll, my other co-author, you know, he actually developed that idea where you know, we need to have preserve our mental capital. And it was actually, I think, Jesse Livermore that really talked about it a lot in his book. And so he was able to actually put some numbers to it where, you know, if you have so much of a gain and you come back this much percent, you know, how much gain are you, re how much are you retaining of your gains? And so he, and he did all the way from, you know, 10 to like, you know, a hundred, right. Of which a hundred percent of your gains, would you'd have to hit the top tick. Right. So that would be very challenging, but he said 50% <laughs> should be a good baseline. And if we can do that, then mentally we, we can survive. And <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, Oh, well, I don't need to worry about this because, but again, you have for me, and I think it really works best. You have to have at least a hundred percent gain or more. You really can't apply right. it. I'm just a 20% gain this, that's mm -hmm. not going to work. I mean, mm -hmm. it could show you the math, right? But when you have a hundred percent, if you're willing to hold through a 20 to 30% base, then that's well within, um, you know, and I don't have the chart in front of me, so I can't tell you exactly, but holding for 50% of your gains is, is really mentally not an issue from that perspective. And then when I've added the 40 week line to it as well, because I'm pretty confident I've got a true market leader in most cases, it's, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. So it's just a way to, I guess, put your brain at like relaxation mode right. during corrections. No, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's, let's step back a minute. Uh, just 
to that original bass. Now, you, you gave it a try, and that one didn't work, but then you tried it again. And one thing that kind of sticks out to me here is that the relative strength line was pretty poor. Uh, it looks like, you know, I mean, during 2017, look, this was a, a great year for the market, a very, you know, straight up kind of almost where there was very little volatility. The S&P 500 didn't correct more than 3%. So is that relative strength line um, an issue in this case? Or how did you kind of overcome that uh, there, there was a little weakness there because it was basing during such a strong market? Yeah, I'm absolutely keeping my eye on the relative strength line. I mean, the, the relative strength ah. line is uh, key in, in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, obviously, after that big gap up bar, the relative strength line did shoot up. So it is back at the prior highs that it was during the other consolidating that it was doing earlier. So, you know, and that happens a lot, right? The little same thing doesn't look real good, then it has a gap up memories and then it pops up. I mean, obviously I agree it's ideal if it's already up, um, but you know, on IPOs and things like this, this nature, you have to take all that into consideration and what you're looking at. Very good. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Kathy about some of the stocks that are on her radar right now uh, that might be in these early stage bases. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, traders, is inflation hurting you? Have you adjusted your strategies to account for it? Vantage Point can help you beat inflation with patented artificial intelligence. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's AI can give you a massive edge and help you get ahead of inflation. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and find your best entries and exits. That's www.freestockcoaching.com. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Pires from O'Neill Global Advisors and the co-author of Lifecycle Trade. It's Kathy Donnelly returning to the show. And uh, Kathy, we've kind of got an idea of what you've looked for in the past. Maybe you could kind of give us a sense of some of the stocks that are on your radar right now. What do you want to start with? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to start with Ollie. You know, okay. this is been one symbol O-L-L-I. Yes, O-L-L-I. And as a reminder and, for our folks that are listening, uh, you can also watch the video at investors.com slash podcast as we go through some of these charts. But yeah, go ahead, Kathy. Yeah. So when I was we were talking earlier, uh, you know, I was talking about the screens that I run. And, and generally, my first priority is to run the screens for recent IPOs. But I also would run um, screens on other mature stocks as well. And Ollie was one that had popped up on my radar and, um, you know, it was a David Ryan favorite for, for many years. And I remember the, when I saw him speak uh, what, a few years ago uh, at the level four, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was talking about the stock. And one thing I remember he said is keep this on your radar. You know, they had a couple of bad quarters, but I think they're a really good company. So. You know, when I see it pop up, I'm like, oh, yeah, David Ryan talked about this. So, you know, got to keep it on my radar. And what's really great about it is that, you know, it's not a recent IPO, like, you know, within the last two years, but it's building a similar pattern that I like to look for in recent IPOs. And I want to just show this as an example because it can be applied to more mature stocks as well. 
because you know stocks run up they consolidate for a long period of time you could consider it another due diligence phase of some sort right mm -hmm. had a great run now it hasn't you know be this can't be this numbers anymore it has to retool they've changed things but they can reinvent themselves we've seen that many times with many stocks and uh you know although ollie does not have great fundamentals and sales it built a really nice cup with handle base below the 40-week line there so kind of had a decline it you know went didn't really go that well sideways but kind of popped up and built that nice little cup with handle and i know ken shreve talked about it on the recent right. ibd podcast and i was like yeah i saw it too but i didn't buy it and ken bought it mm -hmm. so but when I looked at this, I was like, this is for sure something I could buy and get like a 20% on. And, you know, it actually kind of broke out during earnings from that. I believe it's a cup with handle, um, but, you know, kind of went halfway. And I did see it happen and I never pulled the trigger, but it was a successful uh, stock if you had sold it at 20%. And then now it's already built another little cup with handle. And uh, at this point, you know, I haven't decided if I'm going to take action on it, but it is on my potential action list. I do have a list of action lists where, you know, if it breaks out, it's, you know, it's actionable. Um, so anyway, uh, I just wanted to share this one because I think it's just a great example of how you can continue to look for those first stage bases, mature stocks, recent IPOs, and they'll form right below that 200 day. 40 week line on the weekly chart or or right above and in this case we've got a second stage base already happening here so maybe something is changing with ollie like david ryan was saying and so we'll see what happens so it uh yeah so it looks like they're going to report earnings uh next week does that affect does that affect or how, how do you modify your strategy when an earnings is coming up within a week or so yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did not know it was reporting <laughs> uh, next week. So in that case, uh, I'll absolutely wait. I won't buy it ahead of time. Not not if it's within a week. Uh, if it's yeah. within a couple weeks, uh, you know, I'll definitely probably try it. But you know, the same week or the next week, to me, that's a little risky. So well, that'll mentioned... be interesting if it does the same thing. Sorry, Justin. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say, you mentioned that a lot of times those earnings reports can be the catalyst for your gap up. So that might be, you know, kind of fitting right into your into your evil plans here because, you know, it's got the it's got the setup and, you know, all you need is that catalyst. And if uh, earnings provide the catalyst for you for that breakout, uh, you, you could be in business there. Right. It is. It is definitely part of my successful plan. And, and that was the Oh, catalyst. not the evil plan, the successful. Yeah. Maybe the successful yeah, evil plan. <laughs> From the first stage base, that first stage base, that was a, a breakout uh, on earnings. So, yeah, absolutely. But now let's let's take that step back to what we were saying about the market at the beginning. Um, if you're seeing a setup like this, but you're not quite convinced about the market, do you kind of make the make the individual stocks the pre you know, the kind of they take precedent? Uh, precedence here or um, how do you kind of maneuver between those two conflicting uh, components? That's a great question and I would always lean toward the stock action before the market action. Um, mm -hmm. So if it is because I mean I know the odds are not in my favor um, but I always I don't like when the market is down that I you know, I, this happened a few years ago where I turned off the, oh, man, the market's down. Oh, my stocks are down. I need to sell. Like, I turned that off. Mm -hmm. The market's down. But, yeah, my stock's down, but it's on low volume. Or right. it looks fine on the weekly chart. 
who cares? You know, uh, I go always go back to the weekly chart because that's the big picture. And if it looks fine in the weekly chart, I don't even think about it. But because we are now correcting, and you know, I was saying before I wanted, I was trying some one percents, and then I was hoping to put full positions on. Well, this probably is a situation where I might just keep still keep playing around with one percent positions, to be honest, um, because I do not like how everything is starting to roll over. And and so with those one percent positions, are you using that as feedback to give get a little bit more insight when to get more aggressive, or or is it just more of the setups? There are more and more setups coming, and things are acting better. Uh, it might not necessarily be the the feedback on the original kind of one percent positions that you put in. in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a way to stay uh, connected in the market. I mean, that's one way I like to do it. And it's and it's low stress because it's a one percent position. Right. So if right. it doesn't work, it doesn't. I don't worry about it. You know, I'm not getting a thousand knife cuts, you know, maybe just a few and right. they're very small. You know, they're maybe it's just splinters, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, and I've been enjoying it, enjoying that. Like, OK, I still kind of in the market, but I'm not. It's again, just not building a high stress situation until yeah. I see more opportunities. Mm -hmm. So speaking of other opportunities, uh, what else do you have for us, Kathy? What else do I have for you? I want to talk about toast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, look at that. T-O-S-T. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because I think the um, what they're doing is really interesting. And I don't know if you guys have noticed it on your receipts when you yeah. go to restaurants in California, yeah. um, but it's pretty amazing. I mean, I first it really clicked for me when I went to a restaurant and like literally all everything was on the phone. You know, you scan it, you order, mm -hmm. you tell them what table you're at and they just bring you your food. Mm -hmm. And you don't even you know, you don't barely have a waiter or waitress asking you all these things. And I just thought that was amazing because when, you know, everything started opening up, there wasn't enough people and there, people are still shorthanded. And this was a way to, you know, allow them to still, you know, be open and have food, but not have, need as many people to, to help, you know, with the service. So anyway, well, scan, really well, Kathy, well, when, when you say scan it, are you talking about like you scan like a barcode and like the menu comes up? on on your phone and then you select select your item and then they bring it out is, is that yes. what you're about okay yeah you scan it you, you yeah. and then the table has a number you say what you want and then they'll say oh you're sitting next to whoever and they're ordering what they want and it's literally like an oh, wow. open ticket like an open uh -huh. bar and it can be an open bar but also open food and you just keep yeah. ordering until you're done and then just keep bringing it and you know no one comes and asks you what you want you're literally just doing it all on your phone that's interesting. I haven't, I haven't tried that. I've, I've used Toast to process orders. Like, so you just go on the app and Toast is processing it and does all the payment mm -hmm. uh, stuff. But I haven't used that that part. That That's a really interesting experience right there. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. It was, uh, and, I've, and I've used it more than once. And um, one time we even we sat down and we're like, how come nobody's coming? Because we actually didn't realize they had that. They're like, <laughs> oh, you just do this and I'll just bring it to you. And, Wow. Yeah, and it's it's very convenient, and I and I went and researched on their website a little bit too, and it's just amazing the different uh, options they have to get restaurants going. So this one from a new and what they're doing that I've experienced, I think has some interesting potential, and so that's why I wanted to bring it up. Mm -hmm. So obviously you can see it's had a, a huge downtrend here, and 
you know, I'm not buying that bottom and base. It's not very long. It's very volatile. But now it's got a prior run up. And remember how I mentioned the 40 week line? Yep. I really well, like there to pay it is. Uh, yeah. Yep. So it's just starting. It just started to form. It hasn't even touched it yet. So this is, I'll say, I don't want to say ripe, but I do want to say ripe. This is ripe for. <laughs> you a say ripe if you want to, Kathy. <laughs> for a potential first stage base. Now it's got at least seven weeks probably right if a cup put handle seven weeks maybe maybe it's got one week in i don't i don't know what's going to happen but this is what i like to see and this is where i'm like okay every week i'm watching it and maybe seven weeks from now six weeks from now there's going to be something there i mean it might not work at all but i know what it's do what they do i understand it i'm waiting gonna wait for that first mature base and then hopefully i see it i'm watching it and then that friday comes market smith finds it on pattern wrecked as well and you know we'll see what happens so anyway it's uh i think it's still pretty thin and um but it does have some sales so you know we'll see I yeah it actually has some pretty strong sales i mean this is yeah. you know 675 million in the last quarter so uh and and you know you've got a number of quarters there with triple digit sales growth um and i mean the last quarter was 58 percent, and that's nothing to sneeze at uh especially with such a large number but now there aren't any earnings uh, now uh, a few years ago it seemed like well gosh all you need is the the big sales growth uh, earnings don't matter and then as you know this year kind of unfolded that became all of a sudden earnings were a lot more important and pe's became important so is that earnings component is that something that bothers you at all right now i mean i would love to have earnings of course uh but sales is number one especially on a recent ipo have some sales earnings maybe they come in later you know check the sponsorship maybe check your owners and funds tab i'm just curious because you might real price new horizons there. yeah there you go so we got it looks like they reduced um but not it does, by very much yeah, but there is some it does look like there's some accumulation happening um you know it looks like it also recently reported earnings so we'll see um you know there's time but for recent ipo for me definitely want to see sales earnings would be nice but i'll still buy it if it doesn't have earnings what about the angle of the 40-week line? Because it's just kind of straight down now. Does that tell you anything that this might need maybe more than seven weeks, maybe needs three months to start going sideways? Kind of, I think like even Tulio, it was, it was going much more flat by the time you started entering into it. Well, I think what could happen, you know, what would be ideal is if it continues to go sideways, it's going to straddle it. And okay. that's totally fine. Okay. Totally fine with that. Very you good. know, straddle the price bars, the weekly price bars. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, okay, so that's that's two two down. One more for you. What else you got? Well, I think we have to talk about Duolingo. Okay. <laughs> so ticker symbol D U O on that one, right? D U O L. Excuse me. Yeah. So I've talked about this one before. I talked about it with Alyssa. Um, on Stocktails, and I think I've talked about it before because I'm a user. I'm okay. a 911 day streak. Wow. What a streak of doing what? Yeah, and I've actually been using it more than that. But I've been on a mission to learn Spanish for years. And, you know, I kick myself because I took three years in high school and didn't practice. So I'm did not... any of it come back once once you did? Uh, oh, yeah. Duolingo? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Some of it came back. But, um, you know, it's all about vocabulary and practice. But mm -hmm. 
it's an, I think it's an amazing tool. Um, it's just on your phone. You can, you know, it's more than just Spanish. And so, and it's, and it works. So my mom speaks Spanish, but again, we, we didn't learn as kids either. But now my mom and I can have some conversations in Spanish and I can talk to her in Spanish. And, and that's all just from my phone. She'll say to me, oh, I, you must be practicing with somebody. And I'm like, no, I'm just doing it on my phone. Uh, so so how anyway. Do you practice on, well, how do you practice on your phone? So it says it and then you repeat it and it's listening to you and plays it back or something? Or how, how, how does that work? Yeah, so you have a lesson and the lesson is, you know, you it talks to you. You have to repeat it back. Uh, sometimes you have to write it out. Sometimes they give you the words and you have to put them in the right order. Um, mm -hmm. There's also That's stories cool. you can listen to and then you have to answer the questions. Um, so there's lots of different options, but it incorporates everything, speaking and writing and listening and selecting the right answers and all of that. So it's, it's a great combination. Mm -hmm. um, so we have the 40-week line that has appeared here. We've got the... Um, a, a base now this is actually a pretty you know a pretty shallow base 22 percent i mean that's not bad um here's another one uh, d-u-o-l is the ticker symbol uh that has some pretty good sales but doesn't have earnings um so is this kind of in a similar boat uh in terms of that that sales the sales aren't as large um on, on absolute numbers as they were for toast but still 88.4 million for the last quarter that's that's not not a small number um anything else on the fundamental side that to add you know this is me being a believer of the product okay and uh when i've looked at their earnings reports you know they see their their market for online learning increasing dramatically. Mm -hmm. You know, someone asked me, oh, well, don't you think Google Translate and all that people aren't going to want to learn a language? And based on their research, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, people, I think, like learning languages. Um, and I have friends that use it as well. And we follow each other. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've got three good institutional O'Neill funds in it. I mean, it, and it's it's definitely been volatile. You know, talk about the technical action. They had some really huge blue shakeout bars there. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. even this base is kind of, you know, I would say sloppy, even at 22%. I mean, it it moves a lot. Um, this base just got picked up on MarketSmith on Friday because I, you know, I watch it every week. Mm -hmm. And it is striding that line. So it's going to be interesting to see if it can power through. It's definitely having trouble at that 100 mark, which, you know, is, is, happens a lot with stocks around $100. Um, but I'm, I'm a believer of the product. So, you know, I'm probably a little bit biased. I do have some. I've chipped away a little bit here and there. I'm probably a little negative on it, though, but I'm still holding on to it again. One percent position. So I'm not going to hurt yeah. you that much. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that <laughs> sticks out to me on this is that the, the R&D is forty one point four percent. Uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty high, <laughs> you know, I mean, this isn't like a biotech stock, right? But, uh, they're putting a lot of, uh, a lot of that, that revenue back into, uh, the research and development side. Yeah, I've definitely seen them change. I've been using them for, you know, quite a few years now, you know, they have family plans now and they offer all these different things and they give you free trials for the full product. And, um, mm -hmm. so they're definitely trying different things. If you aren't do not want to be a paid subscriber you can totally use it for free and you just have to watch the ads you pay for it by watching the ads so if oh, you're okay. okay with that um, you can use it for free so mm -hmm. great well uh any anything else on this one uh any other questions from you arusha or are we going to go learn spanish together 
Yeah, I mean, she she's definitely made me more interested in Duolingo. That's for sure. So yeah, well, well done, Kathy. You maybe you made some believers here. Uh, well, uh, Kathy, gotta thank you once again for joining our show. It's always a pleasure to have you. Um, thank thanks so much for being here. Oh, it was a pleasure. I have so much fun, and I just I love you guys. So thanks. Keep doing. Keep up the good work, and just very appreciative for everything that you've done for all the individuals, investors that uh, William O'Neill laid out for us. And you know what, I just want to kind of reiterate one more thing, uh, you know, because you did say about how you put a lot of stuff in PowerPoints. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people could could benefit from that you kind of uh, have trained your eye to look at charts by looking at, hey, th these are the ones that you need to look at. These are the ones you need to learn from, um, whatever you can do to kind of uh, train your brain to to recognize those. So I think the PowerPoint idea that you have, and I know you've shared that with your meetup members, because I've been to a number of your meetups before. So uh, that, that, that's a great thing. So uh, you're, you're definitely spreading the knowledge as well, Kathy. So thanks for that. Thank you. Okay. And on the show next week, we are going to have Andrew Channon back on the show. Uh, last time he was on, we were talking about UFOs, space, and defense. So we'll see what is on his brain right now uh, when he comes back to the show next week. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. We'll see you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.